Once upon a time, there was a man. I've already practiced this story and I've already butchered it. One, two, three, four, four words into it. Let me try that one again. Once upon a time, there was a man named Jack who was known for his arrogance and stubbornness. He never admitted when he was wrong and always had an excuse for his mistakes. One day, Jack's wife got fed up with this behavior and suggested that maybe he should try confessing his faults to see if it would help him change. At first, of course, Jack was skeptical, but he decided to give it a try. He went to his friend's house and admitted that he was always late and never kept his promises. To his surprise, his friend applauded him for his honesty and told him that he also struggled with keeping his commitments. Feeling encouraged, Jack went to his boss and confessed that he had been slacking off at work and not meeting his deadlines. Again, to his surprise, his boss appreciated his honesty and gave him some tips on how to stay on track. As Jack continued to confess his fault to others, he realized that it was not only bringing him closer to people, but also helping him to become a better person. He started to take responsibility for his mistakes and work on improving himself. In the end, Jack became a changed man, and his wife was amazed at the transformation. She jokingly told him that he should have started confessing his faults earlier, to which Jack replied, better late than never. This story was brought to you by none other than my new best friend and AI chat, GPT. Welcome to It Just Is. I am your host, Michael Smalley, and that was a made-up story generated by AI. So, like I mentioned yesterday in the show, I'm going to continue asking AI and featuring it on this podcast because I want to be its friend when it takes over the world. But, you know, it occurred to me this morning that, hey, I should ask AI to write an interesting story about the show's topic, which today we have arrived on step four of the recovery process, which we are honestly, we're presented with a crucial task to undertake a thorough and accurate analysis of our moral inventory with a particular focus on identifying our signature sins. This process requires us to be fearless and honest with ourselves as we delve deep into our past behaviors, actions, and thoughts that may have caused harm to ourselves and others. By identifying our signature sins, we are able to confront the root causes of our negative behaviors with clarity and understanding. This process, it, it can. It can be difficult. It definitely gets uncomfortable. But the promise of step four is that we will achieve a sense of peace and liberation by facing our past with honesty and courage. That's why the one word summary for step four is courage. This is our opportunity. Today, we are exploring why we have got to confess. We have got to take a brutally honest moral inventory of our biggest signature sins. And until we're willing to do that, until we are willing to put it all out there and write it down and own it, we are not going to get better. And I know for me, when I hit my own step four, you know, the fear 
is, well, I can't let people know. I can't let someone know. I can't be actually honest about these things because it's going to, it's going to drag me down. I'm going to get discouraged. I'm going to get judged. That's kind of why I was really surprised by the story that AI generated. Because that really is the common reaction. When we are just honest with people, they tend to be honest back. And we don't, we're rarely going to be met with judgment, condemnation, or shame. Because usually what happens, I mean, it makes me think of the, you know, 2019 when my own marriage hit its biggest crisis ever. You know, I had 25 events booked that year, something like that. And here I was separated. And I just thought, well, this is a nightmare. And I assumed that every single event would cancel. And, and not only did not every event cancel, there was one thing I was doing for a friend at his ranch that ended up saying, ah, might not be a great idea. But I, I don't even know if I would have been paid for that one. But for every paid event, not one of those main 25 events, not one of them canceled on me. I mean, you want to talk about a brutally honest, humbling experience. Try calling pastor after pastor after pastor explaining that, hey, I know you've contracted me to do a marriage event for your church and town or city. I am currently separated. I mean, trust me, I wanted everyone to cancel on me. I, I felt like I was in no mood. Oh, I know I wasn't in the mood, but I also didn't feel like I was any in any psychological, emotional, or spiritual state of mind that would be good for me to be on the road teaching a marriage event when my own life was completely out of control and totally in chaos. But not one of them, not one of them canceled on me. I think what you'll find, and I, I feel like with my coach at the time, Jim Lang, I felt like I came up with a, a good kind of two to three sentence line that because, you know, one of my fears was I didn't want to turn this thing into a an attack on my wife or an attack on someone else or I didn't want to sound like a victim or, you know, I just didn't want to like paint a picture. It was like, oh, woe is me. And so I feel like I came up with a pretty good line or explanation and event after event said, hey, we still want you to come. Some would take a day or two to pray about it. Some would almost instantly go, nope, we think the Lord wants you to come here. And then, as I've shared before, I think, on the podcast, it was unbelievable how many people and how many pastors opened up because I had to open up. And I would arrive in these towns, they go, can we meet privately? And then they'd They'd privately share how they were going through kind of the same chaotic stuff I was going through. And so the Lord really ended up using it in a powerful way. And it showed me that you can be honest with people. And if, hey, look, if they respond with judgment or condemnation, then they're just telling you who they are. It, it doesn't mean, you know, that I have to take take whatever their negative or unhealthy or disgusting response might have been, which I didn't get one, but I could have easily. 
it just ultimately tells you who they are. And it tells you that's not a person that's going to be a friend. And that's okay. We don't have to take it personally. Before I keep going, I want to remind you, head on over to smalleyinstitute.com and become a member. Support this show and get a lot of live support and coaching throughout the week, basically daily. So if you become a podcast member or a VIP member, then you get access to be able to watch these podcasts get recorded live. And then the moment, the second that I'm done recording, I go into live Q&A where we can unpack further the topic of the day, or you can bring your own stuff. And usually I start off going, all right, anybody have anything to confess? Or does anyone have a testimony they'd like to start start off this Q&A with? So it's really, really powerful. And you can be a part of this. So just join today at smalleyinstitute.com. The pearl of wisdom for today is we are only as sick as our secrets. We are only as sick as our secrets. Which for me, oh my Lord, I have such a testimony of that. Because even though at my events and things of that nature, I would certainly share honest things, but there were were things going on behind the scenes that nobody knew about that everyone was unaware of, and it really messed me up. It does, it creates this sickness of heart and mind and soul and spirit. Everything gets perverted. Everything gets distorted. Everything gets polluted. Everything gets poisoned in your life. And then you're likely, you're going to respond in really destructive ways. At least that's my testimony. (laughs) I was morbidly obese for 20 years. Then I jumped right into alcoholism and, and it wasn't until I started confessing and I started acknowledging and owning what was happening, putting my foot down in areas where I needed to put my foot down and owning things that I needed to own. And so step four is courage. This is under the title, How to Find Power. We find power by being brutally honest about our biggest sin. The actual step four description is we make a fearless and honest moral inventory of our signature sins. Fearless and honest. Lamentations 3, 40 through 42. This is the message version. Let's take a good look at the way we're living and reorder our lives under God. Let's lift our hearts and hands at one and at the same time, praying to God in heaven, we've been contrary and willful, and you haven't forgiven. It's this idea that at some point, if you really want to experience freedom from your most miserable sin in your life, well, it can't start until you're willing to be brutally honest about what it is. And being brutally honest, it's not about being brutally honest about somebody else, what they may or may not be doing. It is being brutally honest with yourself and about your own sin. The promise for step four 
which is a common theme throughout this entire study, is we will know peace. That's what's crazy. You you get convinced by the evil one. The lie is if anyone finds out, if anyone knows, you're screwed. And and your life is going to become even more miserable and it's just it's a it's a brutal lie. That is not what happens. Once you are finally willing to be brutally honest about your biggest signature sins, that's when you can finally start knowing and experiencing true peace. And we know this because what we're doing, as you've already learned in steps one, two, and three, is that we hand this thing over, this sin, the stuff we're confessing, and we surrender it right over to God. That's why we have hope. That's why we experience serenity. It's why we experience peace. Why is it then when we experience a profound change in our life that we instantly feel overwhelmed with guilt and remorse for the very things we are overcoming? It was the program's fourth and fifth steps that brought healing to this area in my life. I understand how my most regrettable decisions from the past can now be used to help someone else struggling with the same issues. I mean, pay attention to what I'm saying right now. This is what God does with the grossest stuff from your life. He takes it and uses it to help somebody else. I don't have regret. I don't have to. I just don't have to regret my past because it is precisely my past that has made me the person I am today. It is because of my past I'm able to be free today through the power of God. I am more conscious and grateful for God's love and the help I can give others. I mean, think about it. Once you are finally willing to be brutally honest with your biggest problems, you then, that's when you can actually experience God's genuine love. How can you experience God's love if you're not ever willing to be honest about what you need love over? You can't. It doesn't happen. The one thing that you need to know about step four, it's about causes and conditions. It's about causes and conditions. What you need to surrender in this step, you've got to surrender fear of looking at who I was and any desire to regret the past. That's the warning. You don't, you don't have to be afraid to look deep into your life and own it. So reject that fear. And you don't have to get stuck on, but if I'm honest, then I'm just going to be sad. I'm going to regret it. That's not how it works. It actually leads to freedom. Step four is like making a business inventory to identify a company's liabilities and assets. Businesses evaluate their liabilities, those things no longer being sold or no longer working for them, so they can remove them from the shelves to make room for more assets, those things that will sell or work for them. Taking a personal inventory is no different. We search out the flaws in our makeup that fuel our signature sins. 
It is a realization that we are our worst enemies and the cause behind all of our flaws. It's me. It's getting down to causes and conditions. The fourth step is not about finding out who we are. It's about finding out who we are not. With God's help, we can be rid of our signature sin and who God desires us to be can shine. We need to find out who God wants us to be. In in our four-step inventories, we discover, for the most part, our troubles were of our own making. We will see how we played a part in every resentment and fear we've ever had and how our conduct has harmed others. These are the very things that have blocked us from God which is the only power that can remove our signature sins. But because we refuse to acknowledge them, or because we refuse to own it, well, we're literally cutting ourselves off from the one thing that can heal us, and that can give us freedom. A common myth about this step is that it is meant to tear us down. Untrue. People who honestly and fearlessly embrace step four discover newfound confidence after facing themselves. They are ready to start the next chapter of their lives better than ever before. And here's why. Here's why you want to be a member. Here's why if you don't want to be a member, you can actually purchase at smalleyinstitute.com the Rise 12-Step Study. Because... In there, there are some PDFs in this step that you can download that are these three different inventories. A fearless, honest inventory of our signature sins. The three main areas that we address are resentments. So you do an entire inventory. You can print it out. Actually, I really encourage you to print it out. And you just fill it out. Just go column by column. And be as brutally honest about your resentments, your fears, and then lastly, your shame. I can personally testify that I had two, like for the most part, this was not an overly difficult thing for me to do. I can vividly remember sitting in my home office at the time rapidly filling out all three of these inventory sheets of my biggest sins front and back on a couple of them. So there was quite a bit I was writing down and confessing and owning. But then there were two, two things in particular that had haunted me for a very, very long time. That happened when I was very, I was young, I think junior high-ish, and I can, I can remember sitting there going, nope. I mean, I wrote them down for myself, but as you'll learn in tomorrow's show, step five is you have to confess this to another person, a human being, a living, breathing individual where you go down every one of these things that you confess and you confess it to another person. And as I started thinking about my mentor at the time, no, he's continued to be my mentor, actually, to this day. I was trying to think, yep, I was already with him. And I remember thinking, nope, don't think I can do that. There's two things from my life that I just can't do. And I'll tell you, 
I got stuck. I mean, I, you know, I did the initial and in that first meeting of confessing to my mentor, I did say, Hey, there are a couple of things that I just can't do yet. And he was incredibly kind, incredibly loving. He's like, well, you know how it works. And we'll get into this in far more detail tomorrow. But he went, you know, if, if not me, then maybe find somebody that you don't know as well, but you've got to confess even those two things. And it took me, it took me two or three months of really struggling through that, knowing the Holy Spirit pressing harder and harder down on me that, man, you've got to do this. Those two things are such a radical fuel source for your biggest problems. You have got to confess this to another human. And so eventually I was like, okay, there was a guy I would go every Tuesday evening to a detox center and help was part of a team that led AA meetings at this detox center, which is still remains one of the highlights of my life. Because man, if you, if you wind up at a detox center, you are really hurting. And it was men and women that would come to the meeting on Tuesday evenings that were there inpatient detox center. And there was an, a, one of the guys that kind of helped lead it from time to time. I just, I liked him. He was actually a licensed therapist. And I thought, okay, that's a guy I could share with these last two final things from my life. And, and so I asked him after a meeting, Hey, would you be okay? I'm, I'm trying to do a step five. There's been a couple of things. I just wasn't comfortable with my mentor. He's like, absolutely, man. I'd love to let's set something up this week. And I don't know what it was about that, but it was that moment that evening and then on into the next morning that I called my own mentor and went, I'm ready. I can do that. I had a meeting with him anyways at his office. I'm sitting there and I went, you know what? I can do at least one of them. And so I told him, okay, I think, think I'm ready to tell you at least one of them. And of course it was his response to my first one that just opened the floodgates and I went right into the second one. And here's, here's the biggest part of my testimony in this area. I was blown away and overwhelmed with gladness by his reaction to these two things that I had lived under such condemnation for, for so long in my life. And he reacted in such a genuinely kind and loving and understanding manner that I'm telling you, it was like 430,000 pounds of guilt or condemnation was just lifted off of my shoulders. That's what awaits you if you're willing to be brutally honest in this step. And you know you'll be taking this step if you're willing to go through the resentment inventory, the fear inventory, and the shame inventory. And I promise, I know that you're terrified. I know. That was me. I was totally terrified, not about 98% of my sin, but there were those two issues out of hundreds that I was utterly terrified to ever, you know, I'd made one of those horribly unhealthy demonic oaths that I would never tell anybody 
and it screwed me up for the vast majority of my life. And to be able to openly share that with another human being changed me forever. And this step four, I promise if you're willing to do it and you're willing to do it. And, and by the way, I, I encourage people now who go through the study or if I'm helping them in AA or whatever, I encourage them, hey, at some point as you're trying to list all your stuff under resentments, fears, or shame, just pause and take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, hey, is there anything at all that I'm missing? Is there anything all anything at all that I'm blind to, that I'm in denial over? In the name of Jesus, I ask that you reveal it to me right now because I want to put it on here. And what I encourage, and I did it myself, you, there might be things that pop in your head that are like, that's weird. That's goofy. Is that even a sin? Just write it down. Don't try to analyze it. Don't try. Definitely don't try to edit it. But if you're really willing, open-hearted, if with an open heart you you ask the Lord to reveal anything and, and some ideas or some thoughts or words are popping into your head, just write them down and put them on your inventory. I promise it is a necessary, it is a necessary part of your freedom from your biggest signature sins. I'll close now by reminding you again, if you want to take your personal growth to that next level, become a member. Go on over to smalleyinstitute.com and you get live daily coaching with me Monday through Thursday, sometimes on a Friday, potentially other days if I'm in the mood but definitely Monday through Thursday. I mean, that's four days a week that you can join a group of people who all want to progress, who all are seeking growth, and we get to support and encourage each other. So don't don't waste another day. Just join now. It's risk-free. You can cancel it anytime all by yourself. If you're like, eh, not for me, that's okay. Then it's not for you. Find what is. Will God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference? Your will, not ours, be done. And remember, keep on listening, because it works if you work it. <laughs>